A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Every last wrestler has a following, well, except Tyrus, but sometimes personal bias coalesces to form a wider narrative that rings hollow to everybody else. Sometimes a wrestler so skilled at one facet of the game can decline in that area, but people are too invested or even frightened to acknowledge it. With that in mind, I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, and these are 10 wrestlers who are the most overrated precisely one thing. Number 10, Johnny Gargano, comedy. Look, Johnny Gargano isn't painfully unfunny. He has not unimpressive comedic timing and a certain dorky charm with which he can get away with WWE material. The problem is that the Gargano comedy character only worked in the context of what he had become in NXT mid-annihilation in the Wednesday Night Wars. All involved in the process realized that the excesses had just become cringeworthy and via the way Gargano's jumped-up knacker character worked in stark contrast. It was light relief from the most humorless histrionic material imaginable. The problem now is that this version of his character, still inexplicably bloody named Johnny Wrestling, has rocked up on Raw, the effect of which is unflattering and alienating. Just getting back between the ropes, lads. Number nine, Braun Strowman, playing the agile big man. Braun Strowman is good at what he does in short, big, dumb, fun bursts. But the idea that he's an agile big man is just, it's just a bit wrong, isn't it? I mean, he's not the great Carly or anything, but then again, that's kind of a low bar. Strowman isn't one of the most agile and dynamic modern hosses. I mean, Lance Archer is better at wowing crowds with outrageous feats of which he has no physical right. Jeff Cobb is a hundred times the worker and Keith Lee, despite being past his physical prime, is so talented at a core level that he can work great matches whilst carefully measuring his jaw-dropping high spots. Strowman, meanwhile, runs around the ring in an inelegant, almost comedic way. I mean, nobody expects him to be Vader, but they do talk about him like he's Vader, and, well, he's not Vader. Please don't hurt me, Mr. Strowman. Number eight, Andrade being a top star. Andrade played the entitled Playboy dickhead to perfection in CMLL. He was one of the best woke rate guys in the 2010s. His NXT TakeOver Philly match with Johnny Gargano was a lung-busting squelcher that hit as hard in the ring as it did the hearts of everybody in the crowd. But, look, he failed on the WWE main roster, then again, who didn't, and his AEW run hasn't gone too well either. Don't get me wrong, the booking was sh- 
His recruiter gimmick went about as well as Freddie Prince Jr.'s, but he didn't maximise his minutes or do much of anything to prove Tony Khan wrong when given the chance. Many people, chief among them Andrade himself, project mega stardom onto him and feel his AEW run was a disgrace. But he just had a lax it. He dresses for the part impeccably. You can't play it so easily. Number seven, Bray Wyatt portraying a sinister presence. Bray Wyatt is meant to be scary. That is the entire crux of his character. He's meant to be unhinged, disturbed, volatile. You are meant to believe that he is dangerously close to snapping at any given moment. And as such, everything he does is meant to be loaded with unease and suspense. Is it though? His delivery is fine, but his act is hardly nightmare fuel. His cackling demented laughter bit is almost a cliche of a troubled human being. When he builds those moments that near an eruption, his dialogue is just much too convoluted. His blank stare, like when L.A. Knight slapped him for a second time recently, was as close to unnerving as he has got upon returning. He was always better at studying horror than embodying it. Wyatt is over, a draw, and a very impressive amount of people have bought what he's selling. Even nails was scarier. Number six, Will Ospreay working classic matches. Now, there is a potential misunderstanding to preempt here, and me and Will have got a bit of history, so I should explain. Will Ospreay, whether you like the man or not, and I quite do, despite how he feels about me, is a phenomenal professional wrestler. In every aspect of the in-ring game, execution, storytelling, drama, but, and this is through no fault of his own, he's been unable to do this in New Japan for a number of years now because the fans were prohibited from cheering and reacting without inhibitions. It's harsh, particularly since New Japan, albeit under duress, are doing the right thing. But what truly marks a classic wrestling match is the definitive feeling that you've just watched something undoubtedly special. A classic isn't bittersweet. In the years to come, Osprey's pandemic-era output will be considered the avatar of pro wrestling. An outrageous technical achievement, lacking in both soul and a cultural footprint. Sorry, Will. Number five, Austin Theory being the next big thing. Framing a talent as the next big thing is an almost pointlessly cruel booking trope. Instantly, the booker is telling and not showing the story beat, and the talent must immediately embody the characteristics of a megastar to stand any bloody chance of pulling off the role. Now, Austin Theory is the latest character to be saddled with this tag, and is he really the future face of WWE? In a very literal sense, yes, because he has what they've always looked for. He's tall, cut, and telegenic. He is more than capable of reciting arrogant heel material in a smooth way, too. If you built Vince McMahon's ideal of a sports entertainer from the ground up, he would look like Austin Theory. And that's the problem. In an era where, for now at least, we no longer have to endure Vince's oppressive tastes, it's all the easier not to fall for it. Number four, Michael Cole commentary. Now, Papa H has been a genuine breath of fresh air running creative for WWE. Some of the changes he has made have been long overdue, but they haven't been quite as dramatic as some may have you think. Michael Cole is still Michael Cole, even if he gets to say the word wrestler every now and again. Very polished to an extent that is synthetic. His calls are exposition heavy. He clutches your hand through basic story beats and he rarely feels like he's holding an 
organic conversation and the screaming. Oh my god, the screaming. Ultimately, Cole still makes it feel a bit more fake. He is a bit more loose now and he's devised a cheat code of referencing smaller promotions to put over a wrestler's background, but the only appreciable difference is that he sounds slightly less like there's a weapon poking in his back. Number three, Edge promos. Edge is a very good promo. His delivery is tremendous, often quite funny, and he generally cuts a major league presence. As a heel, he has that evil glint in his eyes, and whilst it's exaggerated, his hammy approach to the role works very well in the context of WWE's broad theatre. Since he returned, however, it was as if he was uh, trying too hard. Edge's bulging forehead vein and spittle froth delivery is almost a parody of intensity, and at times, he seems to audition for a role in a film with his Kubrick stare. And again, the lighting and the staging ruthlessly undermine the notion that his spiels are authentic things meant to be taken very seriously. He was far better as the ultra-cocky, uncaring bat. Number two, FTR bringing back old-school wrestling. FTR are an excellent tag team, and I'll leave it to the comments section to decide if they're better or worse than the Young Bucks. That should be fun. The idea that they are the rugged, old-school, less choreographed contrast to the Young Bucks, however, is a bit absurd. Stylistically, they are very much removed from the Young Bucks, but in terms of match structure, what they do is far more similar than a lot of people seem to think. Their matches are complex, embrace a high volume of twists in momentum, and lovingly embrace melodrama. FDR don't call it in the ring. They choreograph their movements in a way that some might even say are contrived to extract the loudest reaction from a modern crowd that holds an expectation of a certain premeditated cinematic flair. FTR, as I said, are a phenomenal tag team, but it's weird that they get more praise for doing something that they don't than for what they do. Number one, The Miz being underrated. The Miz has won at life, but he is not underrated by any wrestling fan who has eyes. Last year, he had the worst match Cody Rhodes has worked since his OVW days. His feud with Dexter Loomis was wretched. His chair shots are Hulk Hogan level bad, and his character right now is beyond stale. Ask yourself this question. Has The Miz ever wrestled a good match against somebody who isn't great. While I'm sure it's great for him that his wife is a 10, how does that help anybody who isn't a freak get through his matches? And that's our list. Did we miss any out? Let us know in the comments section below and don't forget to like, share and subscribe. And subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Plus you can let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE and you can find me on there at Adam Wilborn. Thanks for watching. I've been Adam from What Culture. I'll see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.